Hello, and welcome to Waltrip Unfiltered. It's our podcast. Really happy today about the fact that we're going to talk to Chase Briscoe. Chase is the most recent winner in the Xfinity Series. He got the checkered flag out in Iowa, beating Christopher Bell. He and Christopher's paths are pretty similar getting to NASCAR. We'll talk to Chase about that. Plus, Bumble, (laughs) right? The dating app? Is that how Chase met his beautiful fiance? And when are they going to get married? Do they know yet? There's so many fun things that we'll talk about with Chase. And we're going to do it right now on Waltrip Unfiltered. But before I tell you this, I'm going to tell you that. Listen, tell your friends. Rate us five stars. Go on their favorite podcast app and add us so that more people can hear all the love and fun and joy that we spread here at Waltrip Unfiltered. It's going to be a great show. Hang with us. Hey, Sparzo, be ready. Green flag, green flag. All clear, buddy. All clear. So this week, we have Chase Briscoe as our guest on Waltrip Unfiltered. Appreciate you coming by, and congratulations. Yeah. You won Iowa. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was uh, definitely a good weekend. Yeah, it was It was an interesting race. I thought it was really fun as it wound down because Bell had a little bit better car, but you had a little bit better tires, but you had to overcome a penalty. What? what, yeah. what? <laughs> Walk me through that pit stop when, when it looked like, uh, mass confusion yeah, basically it, it was it was mass confusion that's the easiest way to put it you know our car was really good all day long we were probably the second best car to bell bell was definitely kind of in a league of his own we could run within a tenth of him to sometimes even with him but he was definitely the guy to beat i would say uh and we knew we weren't going to probably beat him straight up so we figured hey we need to try something and we didn't really expect guys to take four tires with 100 laps to go um and we heard that they were going to do it so we just said fuel only and uh, it was just a little bit of confusion, like you said, on our pit crew's part. A couple guys went over the wall, and uh, our crew chief was yelling fuel only, and I saw the fuel guy was nodding his head yes, so I just took off and uh, ran over the hose, so it gave us a penalty. But uh, obviously without the tires there, being able to have them at the end, we probably wouldn't have won the race, uh, so it all worked out. You know what I love about that? And, you know, when you know there's a guy that might be a little bit better, when when everybody's on board for taking a chance, and, and not getting tires there was a chance, but, man, it, it was a pretty – calculated uh, decision a, a good strategy i thought at that point who's who thinks you're going to go 100 laps without a caution yeah i think that's what, how we felt about it and even if it did go green all the way to the end we knew we'd be good enough on fuel that way and we had a good enough car where we felt like we could still run probably sixth or seventh area even on the old tires and at the time we only i think had 15 laps on our tires so that's why it didn't really make sense why anybody was pitting in the first place so we just went with it and like i said if a caution doesn't come out then we probably don't run second like we deserve to but it ended up working out and we were able to get a win what what did it feel like when when you got those tires what, what oh, that's, mentally that's, there was what was it sieg and, and john hunter and, and yeah, you Jackson, i think and there was i think shane lee and one other guy but yeah it was uh you know we were ahead of them the whole time and when i got that penalty it put us behind them so then we were the last guy uh so that made it tough uh we had the first restart where we all had our new tires and i was the last guy to get through and i was starting to panic honestly quite a bit uh, and i was able to kind of single file out and i was able to drive up to fourth and that's when I knew I was going to be okay, but I wasn't going to be able to catch John Hunter and Bell. And when I had the caution come out and I was running fourth, I knew I was going to be in the kind of the, the perfect position because I could restart on the outside and fourth and have the best tires. And that the I think the harder race was between me and John Hunter because we both knew whoever got to second was going to be the guy to be able to run down Bell. And uh, we raced pretty hard and we're throwing sliders and everything else. It was pretty fun. <laughs> um, so you were in the catbird seat when that caution came out. Yeah, I would I would say so. Yeah, do you do you know 
what the catbird seat is? I don't know. I just hear a lot of people say it, so it makes sense. Yeah, I don't. I know it's a bar in Nashville. Really? Because I've been there. What's it by? It's just. Um, it's like on the main strip. No, it's out uh, out of town a little bit. I actually like Nashville. I love. So Nashville. I don't. I personally have never had a sip of alcohol in my life, but Nashville is one place I will go to the bars. Like it is fun to just go listen to music and hang and, out and look at drunk people. Yeah. <laughs> I like going to Tootsie's. That's like my favorite I do too. one. That's the best one. I've got a video of me singing at Tootsie's. Really? Yeah, with Tim Duggar. That's pretty dang cool. You know Duggar? Oh, yeah. He's, he's a big sprint car guy. He's awesome. Yeah, yeah. He, he performed at Na- Knoxville, I think, yeah. a couple years ago. Yep. Yeah. Like and he Duggar. was in Pocono singing this weekend. Really? I didn't yeah. know that. So, so no alcohol. No. Not yet or not ever? I mean, at this point, probably not ever. I made it. I'm 24 now, so. That is awesome. Yeah. It's like, what's the point at this point, I yeah. guess? Well, um, so victory celebration in Iowa. Uh, great race. Lots of fun. Great competition. You beat you beat Bell. And yeah. I know y'all kind of wound up in the south <clears throat> at the same time. And tell the story. There's some guy that, that you both slept on his couch. What kind of couch this guy got? It was an old couch. Uh, it was in Concord, and I had... I was living, I moved down here straight out of high school and was sleeping on different people's couches and whatnot. And uh, the guy's name was Ross Weiss. He was the video guy for the World of Outlaws. So there was a sprint car connection, and he was one of the few guys I knew. I'd been Facebook friends with him forever. Never met him in person, but I was like, hey, I know you live down here. I'm kind of looking for a place to stay. I'll pay like 50 bucks a month. So I ended up going down there, and then uh, I was down there for probably a year, and Bell was starting to come run late models for uh, KBM. And me and Bell were really good friends from racing online. And uh, doing the sprint car stuff, obviously. So I said, hey, there's a buddy. He knew Bell, not as well as I did, but he knew of him for sure. And I said, hey, he's looking for a place to stay, you know, so could I put like an air mattress in there or something. So uh, Bell came in there, and then his girlfriend, Morgan, who's his fiance mm-hmm. now, was in there for probably, there was four of us in this like 800-square-foot apartment. It wow. Was, it was tight. And you're just dreaming of being a racer. Yeah, and I'd sleep on the couch in the living room, and then Ross had his own bedroom, of course, and then Bell and Morgan would stay in the air mattress in like the second bedroom. So they would all have to walk out to the kitchen, and I'd be laying there on the couch. <laughs> was this, well, this was post sweeping the floors at Cunningham's or? No, it was why I was sleeping. The, yeah, so it was before, and then even the whole Arca season, up till I, would, I want to say May, uh, I was staying there. And then Briggs Cunningham, the guy that owns Cunningham, he didn't really know about my situation. And I was telling him how I was sleeping on a couch. And he was like, man, we got to get you an apartment. He's like, go pick one out, tell me how much it is, and I'll take care of it. So I ended up getting my own place then. And uh, 2013, you ran some Canyon races, um, a little bit of ARCA in 15. But let's, let's back up before that. You said you graduated from high school in, in 13 and moved to the South. But your father... Uh, and Grandpa, too, I think, were, yeah. were racing guys. Yeah, so my Grandpa started owning sprint cars in 1976. Uh, he only raced himself twice. Didn't really like it. The second night he was racing, uh, one of his best friends got killed that night. And mm. he was like, man, this this is not for me. I got a family. So he just started owning cars and hiring drivers and had, honestly, some of the best guys in the sprint car community drive for him. Uh, Doug Wolfgang, Jack Hewitt, Steve Kinzer, Rich Vogler. I mean, the, the big names in sprint cars drove for my Grandpa. Uh, he had over, I want to say, 500 wins as an owner. And then my dad raced for 22 years and uh, won over 200 races. So they were both really good dirt sprint car owners and drivers. And when – so we have a couple – I'm going to, first of all, introduce CJ. He's our Fox Sports <coughs> social media guy, and we have some great Twitter questions. But my, before I get a Twitter question, my question um, to you is 
how old were you when you got in your first dirt car? And was it a go kart or a mini sprint or what? And and how old were you when you said I'm gonna race my life, my yeah. whole life? Yeah. So it's kind of a, a funny story. So my dad did not want me to race at all. Did wow. not like the idea of it. Um, so he let me. I somehow convinced him to let me race twice when I was seven. We ran a quarter midget. I didn't race again until I was eleven. And the whole reason I even got a race when I was eleven was. This other family that raced sprint cars with us, uh, her son was in high school at the time, wrote this high school paper about how he was a race car driver. The teacher didn't like it, gave it an F. It was like an A or B paper, so she took it to the principal, and the principal said, yeah, this is an A or B paper, not an F. And So she went to the teacher and said, hey, you know, why why is this an F? She said, well, I don't think it's right that your kid's driving race cars. It's, you know, it's you can get killed, whatever. So they were talking about that, and come to find out that teacher's son the next week got picked up for drinking and driving, and... She, the lady was telling my dad this, and it's like, you know, I know where my son's at every weekend. I know where he's at during the week working on the car. He's not out getting in trouble on the weekends because he's busy racing, and he got to spend time with his dad and mom. So my dad kind of clicked with him, you know. Probably kept me out quite a bit of trouble, and uh, I was able to spend time with my grand, his dad my grandpa at the time, and uh, so it kind of clicked with him and said, hey, if this will keep you out of trouble, then we'll just start doing that. And it, it worked out okay. Yeah, so far. Yeah, you've done a – but I, I love that story because when I was a kid – I, I lived in a neighborhood where there was a lot of crazy stuff going on uh, back back in Kentucky for for the 60s and 70s, I guess. It was crazy, not compared to what crazy yeah. is today. No but I wanted to be a racer. You know, I wanted to race like my, my big brother. And I knew that I had to make keep my stuff together yeah. and be focused in order to do that. And I think that's one thing I love about racing. It's generally family-oriented, yeah, like your sure. grandfather and your dad. And, and – you get to have that quality time at the at the racetrack or even all during the week when you're talking to your dad about going racing. I, I, I really love that story, and, and it's a great point. Yeah, for sure. I feel like it definitely brings you closer to family. I feel like it makes you argue at times, for sure, but it definitely brings you closer. <laughs> and uh, You know, my dad was right. It probably kept me out of a lot of trouble. You know, like we were saying earlier, I, I never had a sip of alcohol in my life. It wasn't that he didn't want me to, but at the same time, you know, if I wasn't racing, I probably would have been going out partying and everything else, and I just never really grew up around it because I was always at the racetrack. Yeah, I love your story about moving south and, and sleeping on a guy's couch. I was pretty lucky because my story is just like yours, but it's a bit different because Richard Petty had a nicer house than your, your <laughs> World of Outlaws guy. Yeah. But when, when I was back in Kentucky, it was obvious to me, and it was 1984, I graduated from high school in 81. I'd run some NASCAR dash races. But it was obvious to me, if I wanted to be a racer, I had to go to North Carolina. And my, one of my sponsors was sponsoring Richard Petty, and he said, Richard said you could live with him until you figured it out. <laughs> so I moved to the South, to, to just like you did, yeah. to, to, to be, a, be a race car driver. So I totally get that. Uh, you swept the floors at Cunningham, and now it's time to bring in CJ, our Fox Sports social media guru. I wanted to talk to you about sweeping the floors and what that what that meant when Briggs Cunningham got you in his ARCA car. But first, um, we'll we'll take a question from CJ. Yeah, and thank you, Mikey and uh, Chase. Congratulations yeah, thank on you. the win over the weekend. That was great to watch. And to everyone listening, if you enjoyed just sitting down, hanging out with drivers, make sure that you subscribe and share. And on Twitter, 
every week before the guest comes in, we allow you guys to be a part of the show and tweet with hashtag AskMikey. And one of the questions that came in today is from Paige, and she says, Hey guys, congrats on the win, Chase. And the NFL season is coming up quick. And it's early, but I'm curious, who do you guys have winning Super Bowl 54, which will be on Fox this season? How about season? that? Ask Mikey is your hashtag if you want to get your question on. And are you a big football fan? Uh, I'm not like a huge, but I definitely watch it. Almost mm-hmm. every, I was more into it when I was growing up because the Colts were really good. Mm-hmm. We had Peyton Manning and all them guys, but... We're not very good anymore. We're slowly <laughs> turning the corner this past year. But, yeah, I definitely watch football. I, I couldn't name every player by any means. There's like yeah. 70 of them. But uh, I definitely like the Colts. I like the Panthers now that I've moved down here. But the Colts are definitely my team. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna pick um, the Panthers to go to the Super Bowl because I'm a, I'm a big fan. And I don't know – I'm not really good at who's on the left or who's on the right, <laughs> like which two could go. But I've always been a, a fan of the Atlanta Falcons. But I think we're in the same world, aren't we? Yeah. yeah. So I'll tell would... you who I hope wins the Super Bowl this year is the Cleveland Browns. Yes. They're going to be good this year, too. You think? I, I mean, they were pretty good last year. That would be pretty cool to, to see them take it all the way. It certainly would be. And speaking of taking it all the way, uh, I talked about Briggs Cunningham. And, and um, in 2016, you were a dirt racer. Ding! That's my phone. It's Kyle Larson. Let's see what he wants. Um, he shot 84 today. Pretty good. What's he normally shoot? He's about an eighty-two guy. Really? He's getting really good. He's. I've heard he's pretty good. And he's, you know, he's tiny. Yeah. And little. I say Stenhouse is really good too. Stenhouse is. He's he. We played the other day Stenhouse, and he had eight pars and one bogey and nine holes. Dang. I know. I love that. Uh, solid thirty-six forty-eight today. So obviously he had Dude, it going yeah, on the front, he and he lost. <laughs> he lost it on the back. Do you golf? Yeah, I'm not very good. I used to golf in junior high. I was on the team and all. Were you? Yeah. I was, I was on not the, very good. I was on the tennis team in high school because they only had four players and five people got a letter, <laughs> and I wanted one of those letterman jackets. We didn't you know? even have tennis in high school. We didn't have soccer or nothing. We barely had a tennis team. Yeah, we were not uh, very good at anything, though. Obviously, so I digress. But let's go back to the 2016 season. The dirt guy gets his chance to go ARCA racing full-time, and you won six times and became the champion – how did that change your world or your perception of racing or where you thought you were heading? How, how did that affect you? Yeah, it's kind of funny. It's kind of full circle sitting here talking to you because, honestly, the whole reason I even went stock car racing was because of the, the stock car dream challenge deal you did. Like, that was the only reason I ever even had an opportunity to sit in a stock car. Uh, I, I entered it. I was scrolling through Facebook one day, entered it, never thought in a million years I'd get picked, didn't follow the video guidelines, nothing, <laughs> and somehow got picked for it. And uh, I always felt like I was never a very good dirt driver. Like, I struggled in the sprint car deal. Uh, I wasn't good at being that elbows up, like, just hang it all out guy. I felt like stock cars would fit my driving style more, but I never think, never thought I would get the chance to do it. So uh, when that opportunity came up, I was like, man, i got to enter this. Just see if I can do it. So I did that and was felt like I was competitive down there. And uh, I remember Ty Norris at the time was like, hey, if you're serious, you probably should move down here. So that was the whole reason I even moved to North Carolina. Wow, our stock car dream challenge. That was the whole reason. I would have never done it. I remember me and my dad, like, in his office after, was like, hey, if you're serious about this, like, don't blow his smoke. Like, if you think he can do it, then let us know. If not, then we're just sell out and quit now. And he's like, no, you need to move down here. So that was the whole reason I even moved to North Carolina in the first place. And uh, I started volunteering at different shops, Brian Kozlowski and Bob. Uh, which, again, came back full circle. I got to drive for Brad. 
uh, it was the first shop I went and volunteered at. But, yeah, then I, I was actually moving back to Indiana the day I got the call from Cunningham about coming and testing for him. Uh, and I went there. How, how did you how did you get that call? What, why did Mr. Cunningham do that? Yeah, so it actually comes back to, to Bell at the time, had an offer from Roush Fenway to, to do a driver development deal, and he had told me that he wasn't going to do it. So I just walked in the front door of Roush, didn't know anybody there. It was like, hey, I heard this is the guy to talk to. Can I just get a meeting? And some, I don't know how, but I got a meeting with them. And I said, hey, I, you know, if you're interested in doing a driver development deal, I'd just love to throw my name in the hat. I said, I don't really have any resume to show you. I don't have any big wins, but I said, I'm sure you're looking at guys like Christopher Bell, and me and him are going to be teammates this weekend, and we're going to be in the same stuff if you wanted to see what happens. And uh, I ended up winning the race. Bell ran second. What, so, what's, what, what race was that? Uh, it was a mini sprint race, of all <laughs> things, in Duquoin, Illinois. Uh, and I went there and won it, I mean – I think it paid $300. It wasn't a big race. We just both had nothing to do, so we were going to go do it. And uh, So they had heard my name from when I came there and said that. And then this other guy was trying to be like an agent of drivers at the time, and I guess he had talked to Roush. They said, hey, do you have any drivers that you know of? And he said my name. So they had heard my name twice in you know two weeks. So uh, Cunningham had two owners, Kerry Sharer and Briggs Cunningham, and the Kerry Sharer guy had called Roush and said, hey, you know, we're going to go – test at nashville if you guys have some random kid that you think is going to be pretty good or anything you want us to test them let us know well they said my name so he had somehow got my number i don't know how and i was driving back to indiana i was moving back i'd been down here for almost three years hadn't had a single ride nothing wow yeah nobody was giving me opportunities nobody wanted to even let me volunteer at the shop anymore Uh, so i was driving back home to go run a sprint car and they called me so uh, i said yeah i'll be back monday so I went race sprint cars that weekend, came back, went to Cunningham's shop, and Paul Andrews, who was Alan Kawicki's crew chief, was there. Uh, and before I walked out, I said, hey, I don't, you know, I don't know much about stock cars. I'm not very good at working on race cars as it is, but if volunteering my time means anything, I'll, I'll be here tomorrow and come help. And he said, yeah, that would be awesome. So I started going there every day. I, I'd try to be the first one there and the last one to leave and literally didn't know very much about stock cars, like I said, but I would just sweep, do whatever, build side skirts, and it started – I guess getting back to Briggs Cunningham that I was doing that. So I went and did the test, and at the test, I guess I showed that I was pretty good. Uh, and they said, hey, let's run you in a race. So mm-hmm. I went and ran IRP. Uh, didn't run very good at all. ran, I think, 10th. And uh, they said, hey, let's run you one more time. So I ran fifth, and then I'd still never talked to Briggs Cunningham, never met the guy, nothing. <clears throat> and uh, so I go to his house that December. And I meet him for the first time, awesome guy. Me and him still talk to this day. just talked to him 15 minutes ago. And he said, hey, so what do you want to do next year? I said, well, I'd love to try to get you your first championship, but if you run me in 15 races, 10 races, one, I don't even care if I don't run at all. I just greatly appreciate you even letting me race twice. That's a great story. He called me back the next day and said, hey, you're going to run for the championship next year. So that's kind of how it all progressed, and I was able to, like you said, win six races and win the championship and uh, at the end of the season, Ford came to me that 2016 season and said, hey, we'd like to offer you a driver development contract. And uh, that turned into driving for Brad and now driving for Stuart Haas. Mm-hmm. Um, talk a bit about the first win in ARCA. And and I always ask the, the, our guests, and we've had so so many great guys on this show, and I appreciate you being the, <coughs> the, the, the latest, three biggest wins of your career. And I've got to think, I think that Dylan Welch told me you won a big sprint car race when you were really young. Yeah, so it wasn't a big sprint car race. It was just a local race, but I was 13. And it, at the time, I think it still is, I was the youngest driver to ever win a 410 sprint car race, and it was Jeff Gordon's record before. So 
that kind of got my name out there. Like people kind of knew of me just because I was a really young kid racing sprint cars. So I felt like dirt wins, that's for sure, probably my, my biggest win just because that's kind of what put me at least on the radar of some people. Uh, 410 sprint cars probably got, what, eight 900 horsepower? Yeah, so now they're up to around 960, 970 <laughs> horsepower. Our, our motor was not very good. It was about 790. 13 years old, 790 horsepower. That's, yeah. that's pretty awesome. I don't yeah. know what my parents were thinking. Yeah. They just let you go? Yeah. Like, like I said, I raced a quarter midget twice when I was seven, and I raced, I want to say, maybe 15, 20 mini sprint races. And for us, we had all kinds of old sprint car stuff sitting there for my dad, and you would win a mini sprint race, it'd pay $100. We could go run dead last in a sprint car, and it'd pay 250 So he said, hey, we're going to go test you. As long as you're not an idiot and you can be under control instead of the car driving you, we'll just go race it. And uh, so we started doing that when I was 13. How many races were you in when you took the checkered? It was the last race of the season. The worst part is the second race of my life in a sprint car, I was going to win, and I did a wheelie with two to go and about flipped over backwards, and I got beat on the last lap. But, yeah, it was the last race of the season when I ended up finally winning. <laughs> so it was just economics. You know, you could you yeah. could win a mini sprint and get yeah. 100. Or you it, we, we spent the same money to go, and we could just run all the old stuff, so we just did that. So, okay, tell me your three um, biggest – wins of your career at this point um i, I loved i loved the win at the roval but yeah i really like how you took control down in miami and won that race running on the fence yeah that, that, that was a that was a big one just but, because, but it's not me it's you what, yeah. what are your three three I biggest would, i don't know what order but the three biggest i would say homestead was a big one just because i felt like i hadn't won a race all year it was the last race of the year um i felt like people were starting to, to question if i was capable of winning at the mm-hmm. time uh, so, you know, I think we ran second seven times that year out of 20 something, something races. So I would say that one's in the top three, uh, the Roval, I would say would definitely be in the, in the top three. And honestly, the other one would be, uh, Pocono Arca that was put as with four wins in a row in Arca, but winning at Pocono, uh, I felt like kind of got me on the map with Ford, uh, a couple other teams at the time were interested in me after I won that race. So I felt like that was the one that really kind of catapulted my career to the NASCAR level. Well, that's that's some interesting, diverse wins you yeah. had. But I think it's also kind of cool that you thought that you weren't that great of a dirt racer, that you, you might be better on pavement. Well, I, don't I, don't think gonna... I'm, I don't think I'm good on pavement either. I got a lot of work to do, but I definitely feel like I'm better in the stock car world than the sprint car world. Yeah. I, I like the thought of that because so many people that you talk to, whether it be and I'm friends with um, Stenhouse, and I'm friends with Larson, and no Bell a little bit. It's it's like they 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 love dirt racing more than they like asphalt. And as a kid, I I did a little bit of both, and I just liked asphalt better. It's kind of cool to hear you say you did too. Yeah, I mean, like I love them both. So obviously, growing up in the sprint car world, that's all my family did. I didn't even go to my first pavement race to watch. I was like probably 12 or 13 years old, and I just enjoy the pavement side because for one, I'm more competitive. I feel like. Uh, I still love going back running dirt races. Last year, I probably ran 20, 25 sprint car races, but I'm I'm not as competitive, so I don't enjoy it as much. They're fun to drive, obviously. Like we were talking, they're 950 horsepower with 1,200 pounds, but it's nothing like winning. And when you win on the pavement side, it makes it a little more enjoyable. And so you're talking real full-blown sprint cars, 410 or yeah, whatever yeah, they are today. That's, you go back and run those still? Yeah, so last year I, I ran, I want to say, 25 races in wow. the sprint car. Yeah, so. I didn't know that. Yeah, last year I ran a lot of different things. So, like, for example, last year I ran three races in one day. I ran a, a GT4 <laughs> IMSA race during the afternoon and then went and ran a wing sprint car and a non-wing sprint car that night. 
Uh, but yeah, this year I, I haven't ran any dirt races since Chili Bowl. I'm actually going to try to run uh, that Indianapolis midget race coming up. But yeah, kind of try to stay focused on the NASCAR side. Well, on, in the meantime, you got a big race coming up this week. We're yeah, going to Eldora. going dirt racing. Yeah, you're going to go to Eldora, <laughs> and you obviously because you're the defending um, winner of the event, but also your your dirt background, it makes you a, a favorite for for the victory. How how have you prepared, or are you just you just going to go race some dirt? Yeah, I'm just going to go race. Last year, like I said, I, I'd ran a lot of sprint car races before, and this year I haven't ran since Chili Bowl, so I'm sure it'll be a little rusty the first couple laps. But uh, hopefully I can go back and defend it. Nobody's won that race twice. I know. Let alone back-to-back. So I really want to go do it. I feel like it's a, a huge race for the dirt community to try to go there and represent uh, and kind of give back and try to, like I said, just win that race twice. It would mean a lot. My grandpa uh, won there with Jack Hewitt, and I, I literally grew up going to Eldora every week. Or not every weekend, but at least every year. And it's the dirt world's version of, of Daytona. That's yeah. the easiest way to put it. So it's special just to get a race there, let alone win there. And have you ever seen any interesting Jack Hewitt videos, uh, oh, interviews? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Those? I'm, have you seen the T-shirts that came out? Uh-uh. Oh, yeah, they got the T-shirt of his face, and it says, you're damn right I got time for an interview. <laughs> My favorite part was, I'm okay, <laughs> Car store, Car store up, up though. Yeah, that's the best part. <laughs> what a great guy he is. And I, I bet we'll see him in yeah, Eldor. I, I talked to him the other day. So Did he's going to be there, yeah. So I'm, I'm excited to see him and his wife, Jody. He's the all-time winningest driver at Eldor. It's uh, pretty cool to have him in my corner. He won there for my grandpa even. So speaking of Eldor and Jack Hewitt, did you see Ross's – paint scheme for this week i did yeah I, i'm super jealous he gets to run the the jack hewitt throwback jw hunt car what do you think about it <sighs> i'm torn on it because nothing against ross but he's not a dirt guy like he doesn't have that connection to jack hewitt like i would love nothing more to than to run a jack hewitt throwback um but, especially since you drove for your grandpa yeah like i feel like i have a personal tie to him i'm friends with him and I don't know if Ross even probably knew who he was. So that part of it's kind of tough, but it's cool to see Jack get recognized. He's a amazing race car driver and an awesome person. So I'm glad that, you know, even people that aren't in the dirt world recognize that and try to get back to him. Well, let me just try to make you feel a little bit better about Ross. He and his family have made a living growing watermelons yeah. in the dirt. Yeah, that, that, that helps a little bit. I, I do like Ross a lot. <laughs> I feel like Ross is how NASCAR should be. He, he kind of has a similar story to me. He doesn't come from, you know, money. Like, he's had to work his way into it, and uh, he's, you know, made the most of opportunities when he gets them, and that's what the sport's all about. You know, that's the story that you hear repeatedly. But here's here's what I want folks to understand. We all get our chance somehow. You know, you you're, your family raced, and so yeah. you got a chance. Yeah. And it's not about necessarily – Getting the chance is what you do with it. Yeah, for sure. And the fact that you've been able to win in NASCAR and and become, you know, one of the guys that's going to race for a championship in, in, in the Xfinity Series. And, and that brings us to our next Ask Mikey question from Twitter. And it comes from David Lightfoot. And CJ, tell us what David wants to know. And so David is listening and subscribing from UK. So David, thank you for the question. University he of says, Kentucky? Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, the, He's a wildcat. Uh, the UK <laughs> across the pond. So uh, Chase, he, he wants to know, do you have a timetable set for when you would like to be racing in a cup car, possibly 2021 and with SHR? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> for sure, I would love to be in the cup series. Uh, I think that's every single kid's goal growing up is to make it to the Cup Series. But uh, I don't necessarily have a timetable. I want to do it and be competitive when I do it. I Personally, I still have a lot to learn. I'm not 
near ready to go cup racing, I, I feel like I'd probably get eight up right now. Um, you know, I don't even think I have 80 pavement races my entire life yet still. Wow. So uh, I'd have a lot to learn, but I want to do it with a competitive team. I don't want to go run 30th. Uh, and if I could do it with Stuart Haas, that would be a dream come true. Uh, Tony was my, my hero growing up. I grew up in Indiana, 45 minutes from where he grew up. We both grew up sprint car racing, so he was the he was the guy. I mean, I, I had the Home Depot helmet uniform growing up. I would play my sprint car video game in it. So uh, to be able to drive for Stuart Haas in the Cup Series would be a dream come true. Well, that kind of segues into my next Ask Mikey, but it's not from Twitter. It's from my um, from from my brain. What? Who were your three favorite drivers growing up? I know Tony would be at the top of the list. Who are other guys? I mean, Jack Hewitt. You've talked about yeah. how special he is. Yeah, man, that's a great that's a great start right there. Yeah, if it's Tony so, and Jack Hewitt. Yeah, so Tony and Jack would be in there, and then probably my dad. I mean, my dad was my hero growing up, and like I said, he was successful when he was racing. It seemed like every single weekend when I wouldn't get to go to the racetrack with him. He would always, I remember growing up, I would turn the corner out of my bedroom and there was always a trophy on the counter from the night before when he would get back. And it was just so cool. Every, literally seemed like every weekend he won the race. So uh, my dad would for sure be in the top three. So I would say Tony, my my dad and Jackie would be my three favorite drivers. That's that's a pretty cool collection yeah, there. Yeah, for I, sure. I, I'm down with that for yeah. sure. You talked about racing uh, video games. You a video game guy? Yeah, I used to play literally nonstop. It consumed my life. I, now that I'm engaged and uh obviously busier with the racing schedule I, I don't get to race as much but yeah i still i could try to get on there at least once or twice a week on i racing and, and race uh just different things like yet last night uh, i got on there and i was running off-road trucks so i just do some different stuff i don't necessarily keep it all strictly to nascar do you see where that kid won three million bucks on Fortnite? i did not see that I, I played that game for a little bit too there's a kid they had a competition i think his name was kyle they had a competition and he, I don't know, he looked like he was 13. He won 3 million bucks playing have you a video ever, game. Have you ever heard of, like, Twitch? Yes. Most people make some money. Do they? Yeah, they how can we play. make? How can we make money? I'm, re, I'm retired. Let's get on Twitch and play video games. Is that how you do it? You could probably do it. I couldn't do it, but <laughs> you would be good at it. People would watch you play. Let me tell you about my video game slash simulator experience. Let's hear it. My daughter was an intern. She's a senior this year at the University of Michigan. She's an intern at Toyota, and they invited all the interns to drive the simulator. I went down there, and I said, I got this. I can you know, I can do this. I'd never been in one before. I'd heard about it, and so I really wanted to check it out. And I get in the simulator, and first of all, we're going to run the Roval. And I go run, like, I try my hardest. I can't. The brakes don't. I don't feel it. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of like that. It's weird to yeah. me. And so, but it isn't, like, I'm, I'm okay. I'm trying. It won't work. I said, can I just drive Charlotte? I know I could do that. Yeah. And so they turn on Charlotte, and I go run, and I ran like a tw- – I wanted to beat all the kids because, you know, I'm a yeah. racer. And I ran like 29.30, and that was the fastest. And I got out, and I said, oh, thank you. I appreciate doing that. I'll be right back. I went out in the parking lot and threw up. Like, oh, it, yeah. It, it made, gets people. It made me sick. It was crazy how your brain, especially when it's an old brain, can't get its arms or its hands around – Everything you got to go through—that's intense. Yeah, you just came from the simulator. Do you do you do it well? Uh, I don't get sick. I know there's got. I think I want to say it's Brad. He gets really sick on it sometimes. But yeah, I don't. I don't get too sick on it. Um, so at my house though, on my simulator at home, I have the virtual reality where you put the headset on and it's all like like. I mean, it Does feels it move? like you're there. Yeah, it moves and everything, and that gets me sick sometimes just because of the virtual reality. Like you kind of forget where you're at and it makes you pretty dizzy, but. 
I don't get too sick on the Do you the have one of the rigs either. so you get in it? And- yeah, so this company, they were out of Indiana. It's called R-Laps. They sponsored me one and just gave it to me to, like, promote them. So it's, like, the full motion. It's pretty dang cool. Well, you're promoting them right now. Yeah, promoting them right now. Thank you, R-Laps. Yeah, thank you. That's pretty <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty cool. You said you were engaged? Yeah. How did... This is an interesting story. How did you meet your fiance? On Bumble. On Bumble. Yeah. How many dating app? How many how many Bumble tries did you have before you found her? It was my second day on the app. And yeah. it worked. Yeah, it worked. Because I've been that, on Yeah, I, I don't I got lucky. Yeah. Like Sounds really like lucky. It. I I've hit the jackpot. So let's go to CJ um from Twitter. You're you're you're, you've hit the, the jackpot, yeah. you're getting married, and you had a plan about when that wedding was going to be. And yeah. CJ, read Chase's tweet. Yeah, and I, I love the gif that you attached oh, yeah. to it from Liar Liar, but Chase's tweet was, when NASCAR announces the new awards banquet date the same day as when your wedding was planned, this is going to be fun rescheduling everything. When, But you got time. Yeah, we ended up getting it all worked out, but yeah, we were talking about when we wanted to get married, and I didn't want to do it in the season so we talked about it, and you know, I said, "Hey, if we do it the Friday after the season's over, for one, the banquet's never on a Friday; it's always on a Saturday. So we'll be plenty good. Uh, and if we do it in November, it's always in December. It's normally December fifteenth weekend. Uh, so we'll be good. Like we can just do it then, go on our honeymoon, come back, go to the banquet. So we do that, and I see. I want to say it was probably three weeks after we had already set the date. I get this email saying, "Hey, NASCAR's going to announce the new banquet dates uh, at twelve o'clock today." So I'm like, "Okay, sweet." Don't ever even think that's going to be on a Friday in November. So I open up the email. It's about like 12.15. I look at it. I'm reading through it. And it talks about how the cup banquet's moving. And get to the bottom, and I see where the truck and Xfinity banquet is now going to be on a Friday. I'm like, oh, okay. That's that's good. And I scroll down a little bit more, and I see that it's on the exact day of our wedding. So I texted Marissa instantly, and I said, hey, we gotta, I got to talk to you about something. So I call her at work, and she's, of course, kind of freaking out, as any anybody Maybe, would be. Yes. Yeah. So uh, we ended up calling the place, and it all worked out. We got it the next weekend, which actually worked out. It was the same weekend that I proposed to her last year, so it kind of came back perfect timing anyways. So luckily, uh, it all worked out. How, I don't want to be sentimental, but how did you propose? So it's a pretty good story, too. So she had been wanting a dog, uh, and I was kind of wanting one. And with the sponsor, the Nutritromps deal yeah. was in the work. I probably needed to have a dog anyways. Uh, so she was wanting a dog. We had just bought a house. Uh, we moved in probably three weeks before, and it was Thanksgiving weekend. So my family was all coming in town from Indiana, and I said, hey, we're going to have like a housewarming party. You can have your family over, my family over. Uh, I said, but in the morning, i got to go work out, and then I have to have a lunch with Tony. Tony's going to be in town, so i got to go meet him. So she doesn't think anything of it because it's with Tony, obviously, and he's like never in town. So when I was supposed to be meeting Tony, I went and picked up this dog. So I come back and all of her family's there, my family's there, and I show up with this dog, and on its collar said, will you marry us? And so I got in on one knee, and of uh, course she couldn't say no to the dog. No. That, that's the whole thinking behind it. She couldn't say no if I brought the puppy, so it all worked Strategic. out. Strategic. Yeah, I was trying to plan ahead. I couldn't let her say no. Did you see when I got engaged? Uh-uh. So I was, this, this is kind of funny, I was racing, we were racing in Bristol, and I had gone, I decided that week I was going to ask my, my wife to marry me um and she she's my ex-wife now but it would sound weird if i said i was gonna ask my ex-wife that wouldn't yeah so anyway i i decide to go and i go buy her a ring and i'm like how am i gonna ask her i really i i didn't really know I, i didn't have a great plan and so we get to bristol and it's the saturday the bush race on saturday and i win 
and in Victory Lane were there, and Benny Parsons is interviewing me, and I said, this is my beautiful girlfriend, Buffy, who I'm going to ask to marry me one day. Uh, maybe now will you marry me? And she said, are you serious? <laughs> and I said, yeah. And then the, the redneckest thing any guy could say during a proposal, I said, okay, I got your ring in the truck. And <laughs> <laughs> so that that was my yours is much uh, more sentimental. Yeah, but, but at least you won. Yeah, that, that's the best part of the whole story. Yeah, yeah winning and and getting 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 engaged with. I was a big Benny Parsons fan. Like yeah. we were buddies. We would play golf and and having him be a part of the of it all. It was really special. So uh, I, I I appreciate your um, your plan though. My my plan came together late. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> Yeah, Bumble though I couldn't believe it. Yeah, of all things, how, how, what'd she say? Like, I've not really had any connections here either. She had just downloaded it too. Her mm. friends made her download it, and she had just got on there. And the whole reason we even picked up, she didn't live within like the radius or whatever of me. I had to go to Darlington to do the Ilmore Motor Test for the Truck Series, so I drove right by where she lived. So it just so happened it, it like picked her up, and we swiped right on each other and. The rest is history. That's a beautiful story because I've been on Bumble for two years and I ain't got nothing. <laughs> like, I'm, 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 I'm probably you gotta keep trying. You got to change the profile picture might, or something. I might be fishing out of side of the right <laughs> pond. Like, I might be in the wrong pond where I'm fishing with my um, age limits. I might say, uh, yeah. or, or perhaps even the uh, the radius. But yeah, you got to crank the radius all the way up. Do you take it over to? Oh, you got to be to hundred. Yeah, yeah. A lot more fishing to see that way. So that's true. And now I've moved on to Hinge. What's that one? I haven't heard it's, of that one yet. It's the same. Huh. Just different. Is Tinder still like a thing? Yes. I remember that. I had that in Bumble. Yeah. I've never heard of him. I'm so proud that you've moved on. Yeah. I don't have it anymore. <laughs> you better not. Yeah, that'd give me trouble. That won't be any good. So uh, the wedding's this fall. Yeah. Um, CJ, you got any more questions for, for Chase? This has been a fun day. Yeah. And uh, one came in from Mick, and I know that was a really nice, sentimental, sweet conversation we were having. This is going to go hard left a little bit but Mick wants to know well first he says congrats on the Iowa win but he wants to know what's the biggest or worst mistake that you've made behind the wheel of a truck or Xfinity car I I have a question before you answer it let me add to that I saw a big wreck at Vegas in 2018 that you experienced oh yeah that was big was, was that a mistake on your part or someone else's no Reddick like was spinning out in front of me and I just hit his left rear that was it was not as bad as it what it thought it would have been but it looked horrible it looked horrible and was that the hardest like the hardest impact you ever had or no. you wrecked harder like pocono earlier in that year didn't look bad at all it messed me up vegas i was good to go like daytona this year looked really bad didn't even hurt yeah but pocono it hurt bad what do you remember the first time were you 13 when you went flipping over in one of them damn sprint cars yeah i, I want to say i was 14 when i flipped for the first time and i it was like the easiest little rollover ever but i was like dang i just flipped a sprint car like i was all excited <laughs> i thought it was so cool i remember i was upside down i didn't i didn't know any better and i unbuckled my belt and i hit my head Boom. harder coming down than i did in the flip but yeah the, the sprint cars are not too fun to flip yeah well, the, 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 but back to that question, yeah. I forgot about that. Thank you, by the way, on the Iowa. Um, but the biggest regret, I would say, or biggest mistake, uh, was honestly the first year I was driving, or the year I was driving for Brad in the Truck Series. We were at Eldora in practice, and we had the field covered. I felt like we were. I want to say at the time we were literally seven tenths of a second faster than the entire field. And I uh, came over the radio and was like, "Hey, let's just park this thing." Crew chief at the time says, "No, let's fill her up with fuel just one more time." So we go out. 
and uh, I tried throwing a slide job, and I went in there full sprint car speed instead of truck speed, and dang near flipped this truck over, destroyed it. Uh, it ended up still being all right. I think we finished third or whatever, but we definitely kind of had them covered, and I screwed that one up pretty bad. What What about the memory? What's your favorite Eldora memory of the trucks? And everybody wants to talk about, oh, Norm, and that. Norm was a good one. <laughs> There's nothing like Norm, Norm coming around there off four, just flipping him off. But uh, yeah. I don't know. I, I remember uh, the Larson deal was obviously really cool whenever he was – uh, pound on the wall down. It seemed like every single. He said lap. he thinks he hit it twenty times in the last ten laps. I would believe it. He was knocking it down. Best outdoor memory for me, obviously, is probably winning the race. That was pretty dang fun. But actually, I take that back. My favorite outdoor memory is the same weekend. First time I was there in the truck, and I I was like, man, I'm going to be King Kong. Like, there's nobody going to beat me this weekend. And we roll out for practice, and I spun out twice in the first four laps. But I was wide open. I was on the gas. And I remember sitting there in the truck, come in after we do our five-lap run, and all of a sudden, here comes Tony walking. I'm like, oh, that's cool. Tony's going to come over here. And Tony leans in. He says a couple cuss words. He goes, it's not a, not a sprint car. He goes, you got to slow down. You cannot be driving it like that. And then I was like, oh, that's probably a good point. I better try to slow down a little bit. And that, that helped. But that was pretty cool that Tony came over there and kind of chewed me out for being an idiot. My, my, I think my favorite memory, uh, obviously there's been some great ones, but I love Bobby Pierce running second yeah. in the Mittler Brothers I, truck. I wish they would have won so bad. Me too. Like yeah. That would have been the coolest story ever. And the best picture ever, though, is that thing going across the start-finish line, taking the checkered in second, and it looks total. Yeah. And and I think that's what I love so much about Eldora is you can make those mistakes that you talked about. Yeah. And you can take a lot lesser equipment and mm-hmm. run good with it. And that's, that's one of my favorite things is you see – these guys like Bobby Pierce that the NASCAR world probably didn't even know who he was, mm-hmm. but he's a freaking heck of a race car driver. I mean, he wins late model races all over the country, and even last year, guys like Logan Seavey that nobody's really heard of, but you know, me, Larson, Bell, guys that grew up racing with him know how good he is, and people kind of get to see a glimpse of what these dirt guys do every weekend and can somewhat appreciate it, and uh, they get to hear names that they probably don't get to hear of and see how good they really are. You ever have any um... – any rivalries or guys that you you you, you want to beat or maybe even got in a crash with or had some cross words with uh, in your career so far? No, not really. Um, I'm you and Bell kind of come to mind because yeah, you're... I'm pretty laid back. But I, I would say Bell is for sure one I want to beat just because I feel like that's the one guy I can relate to the most. I mean, we both grew up racing the same background. Uh, we're one day apart in age. Uh, same initials, same. I mean, it's kind of crazy how similar we he's are. He's getting ready to get married. Yeah, he's getting ready to y'all get, get married. Your double met wedding? No, his is I think a couple months later. But mm-hmm. I mean, like I said, we grew up racing together. We lived together for a little bit. So I think that's the guy you want to beat more than anybody. But uh, I mean, you want to beat all of them every weekend, obviously. But I feel like the the sprint car guys, we all kind of have pride in who runs the best out of all the other ones. Right on. Uh, there's a Twitter war going on. Are you aware of it? I've seen a little bit of it. <laughs> have you? Uh, have you been in a Twitter war? I don't no. see much of you on all that. You know no. what? I hate Twitter. I wish they'd close it. So, so a lot of people get a lot of hate on Twitter. For some reason, I feel like I don't get a ton of hate mail. Yeah. I The beginning of my truck series career, I got a lot, but then it kind of dwindled off. But, yeah, Twitter can be a <laughs> it can be a dark place. It's a dumb place. But, but sometimes things make you smile. Yeah. And something happened today when Kurt Busch woke up. He must have been feeling... <laughs> Uh, a little, little in a really good place, and he twittered, and I'm sure everybody's read it. After sleeping on it, I've decided to take the high road with the Stenhouse incident. 
hopefully he won't wreck me up there as well, <laughs> which is funny. Yeah. And I'm sure, like, Kurt was on here last week, and he's a good dude. I'm I'm sure he's just being funny. Yeah, I would say so. But Ricky went, went uh, full-blown WWE on him. Take the high road on over if you really want to handle it. You have my number. <laughs> so I saw that, and I looked at the replies, and everybody was talking about how Kurt would probably whip Ricky because he's so little. Ain't no way. Ricky can freaking fight, I feel like. Like, well, Ricky's tough. He was on American Ninja Warrior. Yeah, like, Ricky's tough. So here's what would happen to me, because I'm a big guy, but I'm kind of a sissy. I would pick on somebody like Ricky, and the next thing I know, I'd be tied in a pretzel. Yeah, Ricky's scrappy. I would put probably Daniel Suarez... And Ricky Stenhouse, I thought about that on the way over. I would put those two, like, I wouldn't want to fight those two. I what? would agree 100%. Like, those are the two guys I feel like that are ridiculously scrappy and could, like, low-key fight really well. Yeah. Oh, well. It's fun. Everybody uh, everybody likes to smile. Did you see the one on Instagram? No. With uh, Suarez and Bubba? Oh, yeah. What was that all about? It was pretty, I don't know. I guess one of them flipped each other off or something coming to the checker, and they were all mad. And I saw where, I think it was NASCAR, posted the video of them, like, kind of talking to each other. I forget which one of them flipped each other off, but they commented. It was like, hey, don't flip me off anymore. Or I'll, like, break your finger or something like that. Yeah. And they just posted, like, 30 of the middle finger emojis back to them. I yeah. thought that was pretty funny. Yeah. Somebody might have said, I'll break, rip your finger off and stick it up your ass. Yeah, something like that. Bubba tweeted earlier this morning, he said uh, they should do a cage match between him, Daniel, Kurt Busch, and Ricky Stenhouse. So, and they were all, the rest of them were commenting like, yeah, I'd pay to see that. I, I, that. Okay, so I don't know if this is the right thing or the wrong thing to say, but I feel like we do need to go back to fighting. Like, yeah. that's, the, that's the only way that respect is going to come back in racing. Because well, back in the day, if you wrecked somebody or like got into them, like in a sprint car, for example... If you threw a slide job on Jack Hewitt and you wrecked him, you were getting a black eye. So, like, you knew when you went in there and threw a slide job, all right, I better not hit this guy. I better leave him make enough it. room. Yeah, like, I better either make sure I clear him or give him enough room. Right now, there's no consequence. But you got to think that Ricky would be pretty busy fighting because he's uh, – Yeah, but people would race Ricky different. If they knew that they were going to get a black eye, I think they'd race him different. Like, he was in, into it last week with Eric Jones, this week with Kurt. But in Ricky's defense, like – what do you, what what did you see at Poconos? For me, I don't know what led up to it, but I know that Kurt, yeah, know, like washed out and knocked Ricky into the wall. That's what it looked like to me. And then once that happens, you know, you're like, well, you ended my day. I'm going to end yours. Yeah, I is think, that fair? Well, I think both their days are already ended as soon as they hit the wall. But yeah, I felt like I don't know. There was I didn't see a great angle of it, but yeah, I kind of thought the same thing that he kind of got stuffed in the fence, but. I think guys would race for Ricky. Like, if I knew if I wrecked somebody or got into them that they were going to come, like, try to knock me out, I would probably lift a little bit more. I had a great idea one day at Bristol back in the 90s. You know Mike Dillon? Oh, yeah. Do you know how, like, big he is? Yeah, he's a pretty big guy. Well, I didn't know that. So I just heard of Mike Dillon. I didn't know what he looked like even. Well, he wrecked me at Bristol, and I decided I was going to go beat him up. And I went there, and when I got there – I pushed him, and I said, what were you thinking? And I realized as soon as I did that, I'd made a mistake. (laughs) (laughs) Because he got a hold of me, and I wound up on the ground, and and he took a swing at me from point-blank range. I mean, he was right there. he's on you. And and I'm like – and when it came, I was able to somehow get my head far enough away, and he he ran out of – he ran out of – that had to be the best feeling ever. Well, at the time, I didn't – he ran out of stroke, and I'm – and I said, okay, that didn't hurt. 
I think he missed or something. And I so think they get I heard you talking about this. On Dale the, Jr.'s thing. And you're like, man, he can't pay for dinner. He can't reach his pockets or something. <laughs> Alligator arm. But it was it was crazy. All the crew guys jumped in. And and uh, I I love Dylan. And and um, I just thought it was so funny that I decided to, you know, pick on one guy that could probably beat up anybody. That would be my luck. I would, like, get into somebody, probably, like, one of the guys that doesn't race every weekend and be all mad. Who's, I've never fought anybody, but. I ain't, I'm not. I have a. I'm not a fighter at all. I have like an 0 and 3 record. I know I would get beat, so I don't even try. 0 3 and 1, I think, is my record. And and in my defense. Who'd you tie with? She was. She matured before <laughs> me. Like I was 12, and she, you know, I was still skinny. And yeah. She, you know. I three, actually did get in a fight in school when I was little. It was like with my best friend. Yeah. Yeah, he fouled me on the basketball court. Didn't call it. Made me mad, so I jumped on his back. <laughs> you like basketball, right? Yeah, I love basketball. We play over at Denny's. You going to join I, in? I want to. I definitely. I've been so busy. I've been gone the past three weeks, and then today I, I leave tomorrow morning for right on. Eldora. So yeah, I'm gonna try in the next couple of weeks, hopefully. We have any more questions you want to do? Or? We had one more. Uh, we're, we're very uh, focused on food at this show. A lot of times oh, it seems like that's we talk not about my a lot topic. Of dinners. Uh, Jack Bauer, he sent in hashtag Ask Mikey. Jack Bauer, wasn't he? Yeah, I, that's that's a character. That's the name this guy's going by, but I'm just going to give it to him. Uh, since you're on the road a lot, what's your favorite place to eat when you were traveling? Ooh, that's a good question. Yeah, so I don't know if a lot of people know this, but I'm like the pickiest eater in the world. Never oh, had I didn't a hot know that. Dog. I've never had a peanut butter and jelly. I mean, I'm super – never had a fruit, never had a vegetable. So I'm not the, the what, guy to, What? Back up. You've never had an orange? No, never. Never. You've never had asparagus? Never. So you don't know if asparagus makes your pee stink or not? I have no idea. Straight up does mine, for sure. <laughs> I had asparagus for lunch, by the way. What do you eat if you don't eat any fruit? Uh, a lot of chicken tenders, cheeseburgers. Right on. Yeah, so my trainer gets all mad that I don't <laughs> eat the greatest. Usually you don't use chicken tenders and cheeseburgers and trainer yeah, in the so, same sentence. Like last year when I won the Roval, Ford got on to me this year about it that i gotta start eating a little bit better on race day because i had literally chicken tenders and nacho cheese i just dipped them straight into nacho cheese there at their holler and they were like you got to start eating better on race day so now they Stuart haas has me on like this pasta deal on saturday and mm-hmm. chicken and rice on friday so i'm starting to try to expand my horizons but what does marissa say about this oh it drives her crazy she loves cooking like she'll cook five star meals every night and i like i just don't eat them so it kind of makes her mad but I don't know what my favorite place on the road would be. I really like this place that they have one in Matthews here, but they're kind of like at a couple of the racetracks. It's called Chewy's. It's like a Mexican place. Yeah. I like it. But my favorite local spot is a place you go a lot, Red Rocks. Yes. I love that place. Oh, it's, Ron. Do you know Ron? I've never met him, but it, yeah. I go there at least once or twice a week. I'll, when you I meet him, 25 minutes for it. When you meet him and he talks to you, he'll talk to you for a bit and you'll walk off and somebody say, what'd he say? I'm like, not real sure. <laughs> he, he gets a little bit excited when he gets to meet new people. I but love that place. Yeah, I, I went there I, last night even. I like salmon. See, I, I get the same thing every time I go. I I'm the, guessing chicken tenders? I get the buffalo chicken wrap with cheese only, and then I get fries and the red rice, but not the risotto, just the dry rice. Are you a sweet tea guy? Never or? had it. Never had it? No, never had coffee. Water? Yeah, I drink water. Damn, I've never had coffee. No, I've never had coffee. You ever had a monster? Nope. <laughs> That's a good I think we should try to do a video at some point, just Chase Briscoe eating Hey, uh, so this has been fun. I think we've uh, exhausted all the, the – I like to do one thing, Waltrip Word Association. All right. This is another game we like to play around here. And my word that I would like to hear you um, comment on, what's the first thing that comes to mind – 
would be, what's that chef's name? Kevin Harvick's friend. The Flavor Town guy? Guy Fieri. Yeah, Guy Fieri. Yeah, he has that diner's dives and drives shit. Right. What do I think about him? I think he's got some cool hair. They have no those, doubt. Like, have you ever seen those little hats they have that yeah. makes it look like you have yeah. his hair? Yeah, that's probably the first thing that comes to mind is I think of his Great hair. Great hair. That's a good one. Kyle uh, Larson. What about uh, Larson? Oh, he's a he's a badass. Badass, yeah. Yeah. Like, he's the literally probably the greatest sprint car driver I've ever seen. Him and Clawson by far. Now, does does – does he give Bell credit for being a better midget driver than Larson? Have you heard that before, or am yeah. I making that up? No, that's a true thing, I would say. Like, Bell is probably the best guy ever on a midget. He's so good in a midget. But okay. Larson's really good in the sprint car. Right. But Bell's really good in the sprint car, too. Yeah. TV. Uh, a lot of drama. Like, I'm not a huge TV television guy. What do you? What would you watch if you had to? Uh, I like that Impractical Jokers show. Yeah. And then this is kind of pathetic, but I watch The Bachelor and Bachelorette. That is pathetic. Yeah. Do you that. know what I like? Two and a Half Men. I used to watch that all the time. I watched up. reruns of that. Yeah, I I used to watch that all the time. Yeah. That was a good show. How many? What's your um, hours on your screen time? Uh, I don't know. I don't have it on. Yeah. You I'm are. On, are you a I'm phone? I'm on my phone a lot. Marissa gets so mad at me. Like that's. I'm bad about it, especially after I won the other day. Like, I was on it all day. Just talking to friends? Yeah. I had, like, oh, it was a lot. I had 350 text messages. Yeah. But then I try to make sure I read every single notification on Twitter. Like, if people say good job, I don't necessarily like everyone, but I try to at least read it and make sure, like, if somebody did say something really nice, I'll try to reach back out I to like them. I like that. Yeah. Let's, here's what we should do, and, I, and we'll end with this. We should try to fix Twitter. Like, let's just be nice. Yeah, let's, I agree. You know what you need to get on no. is Reddit. So there's a question. Read me that question, CJ. Yeah, so the question came in from Jessica, and she said, hashtag ask Mikey, hey, Chase, what has the support from NASCAR on Reddit meant to you and your career? That's Because I don't know Reddit. So when I saw that question, I said, we don't want to ask him that. It yeah, doesn't matter. Yeah, so Reddit, I don't even know how to describe. Like, you can literally find anything on Reddit, right? Well, there's a NASCAR page, and it's – like, they literally know everything that's going on. They have, like, all these rumors before they come out to the public. But it's, like, the most core fan base there is. It's, like, the guys that literally are diehard NASCAR fans, wow. guys and girls. And they just they love getting to interact with drivers, obviously. And there's some that are more active than others. But, I mean, I'm literally, if we had the screen time deal, I bet I'm on Reddit more than any other app. How about that? I go literally read every single topic. I don't comment on every single one, but I'm on there every day reading stuff, interacting with people. I love it. It's the most easy way to interact with our everyday fan. How about that? Yeah, it's pretty cool. You need to get on there. I think you I can do will. an AMA. It's called Ask Me Anything. I and I guarantee it. if you do it, they're asking you pineapple on your pizza, yes or no. I would say no. That's how I am. But Buffy liked Hawaiian pizza, and that's – My mom loves that. That's ham and pineapple, right? Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any pineapples in your yard? No. All right, ate one, so. That's true. That's a fruit, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate you a lot. Yeah. It's good to get to know you better, and that's what's been most fun for me. If you look down this list of the guys that I've had this podcast with, it's a lot of young racers that we all have. I'm old, but our stories aren't that much different. Yeah. Makes cool. it fun. Thanks for having me. Yeah, appreciate yeah, you. Yeah, thank you. Well, it's going to be a great week of racing, obviously. We've got Eldora, the Dirt Derby, or as I like to call it, 
El Derta. <laughs> and Chase Briscoe will be one of the favorites when we race there this weekend. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Chase Briscoe, for your time today. So much fun catching up with you. But listen, you can watch this whole episode on video on Fox Sports' official YouTube channel. You can watch Chase tell these stories and listen to the content via YouTube. We appreciate you joining us. Be sure to love us on Twitter. Ask Mikey if you want. we got questions next week coming up, and we'd love for you to be a part of all that. Thanks so much. Talk to you next week.